resources help accelerate the mission and vision of the local church. What happened in the last 10 years with mobile online giving is what's already happening in the next 10 years with non-cash giving in the form of stock, crypto, and other non-cash assets. A pastor turned tech leader and a millennial churchgoer explore the intersection of technology, culture, and faith equipping you with innovative strategies to support you as you live out your calling, lead your churches with confidence, and step into the future together. This is the Give It Up Podcast. So, I'm amped up. I'm amped up. We're actually filming on a Sunday. We just got out of church. The Lord's Day. Actually, church is right underneath us because Overflow Studios is above a church. We're not new to this. We're true to this. Come on. This is- uh, Oh, hit him Overflow. with the bars. <laughs> this is what Overflow is all about. But I'm so- just operating out of the overflow. I got my overflow hoodie on. I see that. You That's are cool. one with the brand today. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about uh, this thing you like to call tectonic shifts. Yes. Now, I don't know if tectonic plates, I think I learned that in eighth grade in <laughs> geometry, geog- geography, not geometry. Something like that. But I'm assuming that's what we're talking about when the plates are shifting. We got Stanford literally right across the street. We're, we, we know what Bring we're talking about. Bring them in. Yeah. <laughs> Tectonic shifts in technology is what the Silicon Valley has been built off. Yeah. Literally. I mean, you were just at a conference recently, True. our friends at Thrive Conference. Give it up for Thrive up in Sacramento. Yeah. And you were actually doing part of this talk that I typically do up there. How did it go? How did it, it went go? really well. You talked about this a little bit. Well, what do you feel like really resonates with people? Because whenever me or you get people in a room talking about the overflow story, talking about the trends that we're seeing, mm-hmm. we're trying to teach people, hey, when it comes to finances and fundraising for your church, don't fight against the trends. Totally. <laughs> Embrace the trends. And you were just there doing the talk a couple of days ago and you said they were just enthralled. Why? Yeah. So I think what's interesting is we notoriously know that through the ages, the oldest generation at the time is usually, quote unquote, stuck in their ways. Sure. And it just happens. Can't teach an old dog new trick, something like that. Something like that. (laughs) Yes. But I found the complete opposite to be true. Mm. The room was filled with people. And there were actually people that came up to our team afterwards. This woman, oh my gosh, she was so sweet. She had to be in her seventies, but she looked like she was in her fifties. Okay. Let's be clear. Let's go. And she said, I just love you guys. And I said, oh my gosh. And she's like, (laughs) love you too. You know, she's just like, like, love you too. (laughs) Yes. What a start. And she said, you know, I know that most of my generation doesn't want to change. I couldn't be more excited and thrilled for the younger generation coming up, yes. teaching all of us something. I said, wow, Wow! how rarely do you hear someone who's older want to be taught something mm. by a younger generation? Mm. And I, I legitimately thanked her. I was like, thank you for sharing that with us because outside of this, we don't hear that yeah. often. You know, yeah. mostly what we do, like you're talking about, we get a lot of pushback. But I found that whenever I was talking about the tectonic shifts, the best way to engage that audience is to talk about the past, yes. which they're more familiar with yeah. than us. We take a historical point of view when right. we talk about the tectonic shifts here at Overflow and kind of what we're seeing in the space. I mean, if you go way, way back, right, especially in the Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley is called the Silicon Valley because of the silicon wafer chip. Mm-hmm. It was this tectonic shift in technology where all of a sudden you can now fit compute power into a small chip. Before that, the computers that they were making were literally 
the size of a whole bedroom, That's right? Wild. Just to do a calculation, a simple calculation that you could now do on a calculator. And so the invention of the chip and understanding that you can now put compute power in this chip mm-hmm. made way for companies like Intel, mm. right? Which is one of the godfathers of the Silicon Valley. From there, it made way to a new innovation, which was the personal computing device, mm-hmm. right? Where it made way for companies like Apple and Microsoft that put a computer on every desk in every home. Yep. And then from there, it made way to another tectonic shift in technology, which we now know as the internet. The internet now could connect all of the devices that were now in our homes. And no longer did we need just CDs waiting in the mail for AOL to get the new upgrade (laughs) and for even just our cell phone or our cell phone landlines to be tied up with the internet connection. But all of a sudden internet became on the cloud. Software could be now downloaded from the cloud, which then made way or the new wave, which was social networking, mm-hmm. companies like Facebook and things like that could not exist without the modern internet. And then from there, a big tectonic shift was- The old phone. The iPhone, mobile, yes. right? Uh, smartphones, smart devices, and things of that nature. And companies now could exist like Uber. Mm-hmm. Uber literally cannot exist without GPS-enabled mobile devices. Good point. And so you start understanding the companies. If you just drive down the street here in the Silicon Valley, you see Apple, you see Google, you see Meta, you see Amazon, you see Uber, you see Twitter. All of these are companies that were simply able to embrace Mm. tectonic platform shifts. The new one is going to be AI, But even before we get into that, (laughs) let's just make it really simple for the local church, right? Because if we talk about finances, if we talk about financial technology, if we talk about getting resources into your church and why do we believe this is important? Because resources help accelerate the mission and vision of the local church, right? Even Jesus was financed Mm. by some business people, some business women, hello. Mm -hmm. Um, And so- We know that resources are important. How have resources been coming into the church? If you think back historically, just a decade, you don't have to think that long. It was primarily through the buckets, the good old buckets. We love a bucket. I I grew up in church, okay? Like I said, I'm not new to this. I I grew up where it wasn't just even a bucket. It was like it had wood handles, do you know no, what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm no, saying? No, with, with the handles little with the little thing. velvety. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Like that it was regal. Like it was just Man. like when we went to the buckets, the I thought we plate. were getting cheap. But that, you know, it had velvet and was usually red. It was incredible. I love and that. so, and so, and you would like pass the wood thing. It was it was but hilarious. But it would like twist as you, you yeah. go down. Yeah. That's innovation at its finest. Come on. And that's how we collected the ties and the offerings, which is so interesting because most of what came in then was in the form of checks, was in the form of cash, Mm -hmm. coins. And then you had a whole team in the back 
Volunteers, a lot of times, by the mm. way, that's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like counting like thousands of dollars. Okay, For some anyways. reason, 70 people <laughs> volunteered to count yes, the money yes, after yes, church yes, today. Exactly. Do they go through next steps? Yeah. Um, were they saved yet? Uh, so, so, so that's how the, the money, the resources, what we use to build the local church, that's how it was collected. Okay, what happened in the last 10 years? Mm-hmm. What happened was the proliferation of online giving. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was so funny. I mean, 10 years ago, when I talked to people that was building the church back then and this new novel technology, the internet, mobile devices, online recurring giving, when that was being introduced, right? People are like starting to use PayPal. People are using eBay. Online payments is starting to become a thing, but there was just so much fear and intimidation in the local church. People would never do this. They want to bring a check. Mm -hmm. They want to bring their cash. They like that you know, interaction with the bucket or with the velvety, you know, <laughs> bag. And, 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 and they're not going to trust putting their debit or credit card on a website. There's no way they're going to give through our website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fast forward 10 years later, accelerated by the pandemic, all of a sudden it goes from a hundred percent of your giving going through a bucket or a bag system, an in-person system to now 90% plus going through online giving, especially if you wanted to survive in the pandemic, all you could take was online giving. And so what I'm saying is that the same way that there was an internet tectonic shift, the same way that there was a shift in the way that people paid for things and they're more comfortable with paying for things online, the same way people wanted to now give from their phone, what happened in the last 10 years with giving, with mobile online giving, Mm -hmm is what's going to happen, what's already happening in the next 10 years with non-cash giving in the form of stock, crypto, and other non-cash assets. I'm telling you right now. And so here's the thing. The Silicon Valley is the Silicon Valley not because it just has the smartest people in the world. Right. Not because it has a disproportionate amount of resources. Some of those things are definitely absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But there's other places like New York. There's other places like London that have these similar dynamics. Mm-hmm. What makes the Silicon Valley unique is that they embrace tectonic platform shifts. Yeah. They embrace it. They pioneer it. They're not afraid of failure. They're always pushing the edges and what this could look like and how this can apply towards taking humanity forward. And I'm telling you, if you're not thinking that way as a church, you are literally missing out. I just want to leave a dramatic pause there for people to to really feel that. You know, I'm thinking about that quote that Alex from The Giving Block was sharing with us. Yes. Because- Yes, granted, people are really scared about the security of certain things. Yeah. Which brings another thought to mind, which I'll talk about in a second. But for people that are scared about crypto, those fears about the security of crypto are are expired by this point. Right. Because he told us directly that the FBI was quoted as saying that they wish every type of financial fraud of course. was on the blockchain. Yeah, that's right. Can you explain why? Yeah, because essentially the blockchain is a ledger that cannot be messed with, mm-hmm. right? It, it is forever going to be on the blockchain. The problem with centralized ledgers is that there could be corruption, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the problem with centralized ledgers, I mean, if we even just think about the central banking system, <laughs> we've seen some of the most reputable banks in the world, they fall, they fail, 
And what happens? All of a sudden, all that data that was centralized, right, can just go away, yeah. right? Ultimately, what we find with centralized systems is that they could be corrupted. They're controlled by a few. The thing with decentralized technology like the blockchain is that it is verified in a trustless environment. I'm going to use some of these terms. You don't have to know all these terms. Basically, in layman's terms, it's a public ledger that everybody can see and that is verified by the masses so that people cannot mess with it. And so why the FBI is saying that innovations like the blockchain are really useful and have a lot of utility is because if you've committed fraud on the blockchain and you've transferred money from one place to another and there was some illegal activity there, there is now a forever record Mm. of it. And so if you haven't been caught and you've committed fraud on the blockchain, it's just that somebody hasn't looked into it, but they can. Yeah. Rather, you know, or instead a centralized system, it could be tampered or things can be hidden and things of that nature. Totally. You know, I just had this interesting thought about convenience versus security. Yeah. And I do feel like they're at odds with one another. And what I think most people don't realize is that our bend is convenience over security. Mm. I mean- we could talk about the whole FTX scandal yeah. that happened, convenience over security. True. People didn't even think twice about it. They're like, no, it's like so big. It's it's going to obviously like take care yeah, of itself. Yeah, yeah. And what I do appreciate about church leaders, CFOs who really are adamant about security is that thank you for taking care yeah. of, of your people because you're looking at and highlighting something that they might not even be thinking about. Right. Because they're looking for the most convenient way. I mean, we know that 90% of giving today is done via debit credit card. Yeah. Convenience over security. But at the same time, any financial company Mm -hmm. that is doing their job correctly Mm. is already making sure that the security is excellent. And right. I, like, I want to brag on our team for a minute because oh, so good. we have the highest security yeah. possible Yes, because we're thinking of all the things that you want to think about to protect your people. Yes. Those companies like ours that are out to protect people really shows that it's not about us. It's about funneling the vision that you have. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. I mean, security is so important. I mean, we do everything at Overflow, SOC 2 compliance, PCI compliance. We are as transparent as possible. We work with some of the best providers and partners in the game to ensure uh, one of the safest platforms on the planet, especially when it comes to handling not just traditional credit debit, which we do, Mm -hmm. transactions, but the complex transactions, which are securities, stocks, um, and even things like crypto that is bringing us into this new age of innovation. And I love that. I do think that, you know, as you think about, as you're a church leader, as you're a, a, a pastor leading your flock, leading your congregation, you know, the, the thing that you have to think about is convenience. You have to think about user experience. Right. You have to think about security. These all should not be at odds with each other. These all should be thought of. What's so interesting is that one of the things that make the Silicon Valley the Silicon Valley is customer obsession. Mm -hmm. I was listening to this conversation that the CEO of Airbnb Mm -hmm. was having 
and he is so laser focused on their customer. He eats, breathes, sleeps, his customer's needs, his customer's pain points. And they're committed at Airbnb to continue to even reduce what they're focused on Mm. so that they can continue to make every stay. They can continue to make every host. They can continue to make every um, interaction more than even just a transaction, but a place that you make a core memory, that you can uh, find a new place, that you can belong in that new space. In the same way, our team is so laser focused on the problems of a pastor, problems of an executive pastor, a finance director, an accountant that we're constantly, we actually invited some people just a couple of weeks ago here to understand their pain points at a deeper level so that we can build that in the software. Yep. And if we can do that in the places and spaces of where church is growing and where resources are funneling, just imagine a world where that generosity is now frictionless, mm. that those barriers are almost minimal so that the intent can now meet the action. That's Mm -hmm. what technology does. That's when we embrace innovation. Let's leverage these things. These are tools. A lot of these things are amoral. We don't have to be scared of it. Right. Right. And if we actually get our theology right, what I mean, the Bible makes it clear. God is sovereign over all of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we don't need to be scared of it. Right. If God is sovereign over all of it, our curiosity should actually lead us to not being afraid, but being curious about how God wants to use this. Yeah. And I really love that you're talking about the user experience too, because one thing that I just saw Airbnb is doing now is because of the economy, which at the date of airing this, it's uh, May of 2023. Yes. um, They have just started posting single bedroom stays. Right. At the top. In response to the economy, right? Correct. And they're not making maximum dollar on that. And theoretically, if they were out for solely money, those would be buried at the bottom. Exactly. Of the list. And so talk about like hearing and seeing your customer. I mean, that was just like such a brilliant move. And the well, same is said. For- I, I love that because it's a response. Yes. It's a response to meet people where they're at. Right. I mean, this is hot off the press. Some people at the conferences we've been at are starting to know about this, but I just want to declare over this podcast right now that we are also in the same way wanting to respond to the economy. Yes. Wanting to respond to what our customers need. And what we are hearing emphatically is that- in an era where every dollar matters even more mm-hmm. because some of it for some organizations are scarcer than they were in the past few years. So they have to make a dollar go further. That processing fees is something that people, operators, uh, nonprofit leaders, church pastors, and executive teams have been concerned about. Is they're starting to see their bottom line and they're starting to look at the merchant processing fees and they're starting to see that three, four certain providers, maybe even 5% of every dollar is going to merchant processing fees. That's a lot. It depends on if it's Amex or Visa MasterCard or or whatever the card type might be and whatever the dynamic might be. But on average, you're seeing a range of three to five percent getting taken by merchant processing fees at overflow. We now serve our customers with the lowest fee cash processing. And I'm so excited to tell our customers about this. I was so excited to speak at a conference recently Mm -hmm. about this. And you could just see eyeballs, just like eyebrows raised, 
eyeballs are popping because people know that that's going to make a difference. Right. We can save on average up to a percent and for certain organizations, even more every single time. Right. And you're talking about that at scale. Mm-hmm. Just, That's crazy, yes, right? Yes. That for 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 every million dollars you're saving ten thousand dollars. For for every ten million dollars you're going to save a hundred thousand dollars. We're we're talking about in a few years as you start processing, and I'm not just even talking about giving. If you have a cafe, if you have event mm. registrations mm-hmm. that you're renting for your organizations, we will save about a percent across all of those transactions. Yeah. And I'm talking about in a few years getting six-figure savings mm-hmm. for your organization. What does that mean? Yeah. That means that you have more resources in your bottom line to go towards outreaching to the community, hiring key staff, extending the kingdom of God, which you were created to do. Yeah. I love it. It's such an exciting time because money is flowing a different way than it, it has before. And if you just ride that wave— it is not going to just resource your church better, but resource the kingdom at large. I love that. Your congregation. You can look out and proactively meet needs of your church the more resources you have on hand. Yes, I love it. We were just at a conference and one of the big highlights was how certain churches were doing things like Serve Day mm-hmm. and you know partnering with their community whether it's in response to a tragedy or whether it's a fixture within their community, partnering with the homeless, partnering with single moms, partnering with people to get job placements in their community, whatever the need might be, that was the purpose all along Mm -hmm. of the local church is to meet needs, to be the hand and feet of Jesus. And the more and more you can unlock net new giving opportunities to have your church rise to this occasion, the more and more you can provide net new savings opportunities to be better stewards of all those resources that are coming in. Just imagine, just imagine what could be possible. Yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting time because you can see what happens when people get this revelation, right? When you talk about these tectonic shifts at large and then you talk about the tectonic shift in the church, nobody can deny what they've seen the past 10 years. That's right. From switching from cash to credit debit, and so it becomes an undeniable truth. Oh man, another tide is coming. Another tide's coming. And you need to ride that wave. Overflow. Thanks so much for listening to the Give It Up podcast. If you want to receive even more insights on church innovation, culture, and giving, now you can sign up for free to be an Overflow Insider, where you'll receive exclusive content, discounts, direct access to Vance Roush to get your questions answered, and also invite-only access to our monthly fundraising leadership forums. Head to overflow.co backslash insider, or just click the link in our bio to sign up for free today. In order to get this podcast in the ears of even more church leaders, could you please subscribe and leave a review for the show? This tells the podcast players what people are enjoying and want to hear more of. And we are adamant about providing maximum value to even more church leaders. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.